Hey, it's Nikki Llewellyn and you're on Gut Plus Science. This podcast is on a mission to increase engagement at work. And on this show, we equip CEOs and people first leaders of all levels to make impact. Let's get to it. All right, we're on to our next healthcare episode on Gut Plus Science, and boy, oh boy, are we delivering. We said thought leaders in healthcare, and we've sure got one. Dr. Bonnie Clipper is with us today. Bonnie is the number one healthcare nursing influencer on LinkedIn and spent decades as a CNO in healthcare systems leading the amazing frontline workers that make patients and families comfortable, nurses. She's an innovator, and she also has a core of getting back to the basics and caring for people, and that's what we're doing today. She's here for her first time on the topic of feedback. Let's go. So let's talk about feedback and recognition. Feedback first. You've worked in hospital systems for many times, large systems alongside many nurses. And what are we typically doing wrong when it comes to giving feedback? I was a chief nursing officer, chief nurse exec for around 20 years. So certainly drawing upon that experience As a system in healthcare, we often tend to focus on the things that we don't do well. And sometimes we view them as individual issues instead of as system problems. So trying to shift that paradigm is going to be incredibly important for us because it's sort of a legacy problem that we have in terms of focusing on little one-offs or individuals and how collectively all of these different pieces come together to formulate a problem where instead we need to really focus on the much broader aspect of systems failures and systems issues. I love that. Give us an example of a time that you were working with an organization and they were able to see from the macro level versus the micro level and how that was able to help start to shift the strategy to make change happen. What comes to mind? So I would say, um, you know, drawing upon that experience, I I remember as a CNO, there was a at one of my organizations, a family member came down to see me because they had been waiting a while to take their discharged parent home with them. And the issue was discharge medications and paperwork being signed off by a physician and the nurse being able to pull all of those pieces together in an adequate discharge packet so that we could actually discharge the patient. Well, it wasn't an issue, even though the family was very upset with sort of the nurse, because the nurse was the person that they were interacting with. It really was a much larger issue. It was a matter of trying to reconcile some of the medications, and that was a complex patient, and there were many medications, and also trying to get uh, the physician involved to make sure that we were continuing or discontinuing the appropriate medications and treatments for a patient to, in fact, go home. It wasn't just as simple as it sounded. It wasn't that it was just taking an hour and a half or perhaps two because someone wasn't hurrying or doing the things they needed to. Actually digging deeper into that situation, it was a surgeon that was called into a case that he wasn't expecting and he was literally scrubbed in and we weren't able to get what we needed from that physician at that time and in fact had to wait for this sort of emergency patient to be appropriately cared for. So once we learned that information, I could communicate it to the family Uh, They then understood what the holdup was, and then, of course, they were willing to be more patient to wait for everything to occur so that they could take their loved one home with them. And that's just one example. So certainly, the more we automate these processes, the more that they do help us, the more that we can provide 
better customer service to our patients that are waiting. It's also a very complex environment. Emergencies do happen. Priorities do come up. So the ability that we have to more clearly and accurately communicate kind of the entirety of a situation, that sometimes can be very beneficial to a patient or a family that just thinks that, that they're waiting and they're unsure why. Yeah. And the power of taking five steps back to look at things from a a much larger lens, you know, just so illustrated in that story. If you spoke into typical healthcare leaders that you've worked alongside, what would be the mindset shift that you would suggest to them in the way that they think about feedback, the way that maybe you've seen people tend to operate and the way they think about it and just the, the shift in start to think about it this way? What would you recommend? So feedback is an opportunity and it's one of those things We all deep down get a little cringy when someone says, hey, I have some feedback for you. However, it's a gift because it allows us to do things differently or perhaps even better the next time. The lessons that I've learned after so many years of of trying to provide helpful feedback for people is to make sure it's never about the individual or the person. So don't personalize it, but rather it's around the situation. And the feedback is, in fact, about behaviors in a situation And including examples in that can really help a person understand that what the behavior they exhibited is really what the feedback is about. And then what would actually make that better or helpful the next time. So I kind of use a process that's, it's a little bit of, I would almost say kind of a feedback sandwich. So when I talk to people, highlight the work that they do that's incredibly valuable and incredibly meaningful giving them feedback on a situation is certainly important to be very clear. And I like to end it on the importance of their contribution and why they're so awesome on my team, right? We, we all have things that we can do better. And it is important to understand what those opportunities are to kind of fine tune our own behaviors and our performance to make us work collectively more effectively and, and better. It is hard sometimes to, to give feedback But I think the more we can work towards depersonalizing it against an individual and using examples, the situation and the behaviors, that's incredibly powerful because then you can actually show them exactly what they said or did or the actions that they took and how it impacted other people. Then you can help them see what they maybe can do differently the next time. I think that's so powerful and, you know, making sure that we see feedback as an opportunity, like you said, as a positive and then having a a system for it, if you will, or a, a template, you know, and this uh, show is all about equipping leaders with toolbox opportunities aside from helping to shift mindset. So let's kind of go down this toolbox path because you talked about the sandwich process, you know, a positive, negative, positive. Let's go just a little deeper there. So let's paint a picture. This this uh, sub-series is all about healthcare. So let's go into the world of a nurse manager and a nurse manager that's like, you know what, this is going to be a regular routine where I'm going to help my people understand that the reason why we do feedback is I want to help them get better. And we're all going to embrace this. Now, how often does that nurse manager look for those opportunities? How does he or she tend to typically intertwine that into daily practice? What channel is that during one-on-ones or is this an email or how does that work? So I think that, you know, feedback, generally speaking, you know it when you see it, when the opportunities arise to provide feedback. So when somebody has a a poor interaction from a uh, communication, maybe it's a patient and a staff member, maybe it's colleague to colleague, 
generally you as the receiver of those communications have a sense of what didn't sit well or land well. If you witness them or observe them, you, you can see sometimes by the body language or the behaviors amongst people if something didn't land well. And certainly if it's a patient or, or a family member, you will get a sense of that because generally you're going to hear about them. So you'll know what those opportunities are. Those are kind of the one-offs, right? The things that might pop up where individuals um, should get feedback to improve their performance or even kind of change uh, their behaviors a little bit. And that methodology that we talked about, you know, really using kind of the situation, the behavior and the impact, that's an SBI process. So using those individual one-off situations and following up with the the situation, the behavior, and the impact that had so that individuals can understand what they can do differently next time, that's very, very powerful. Then you have sort of the, the converse, which is what many of us see as a performance evaluation. A lot of organizations uh, have different, a variety of formal processes around those. Generally speaking, they still occur in an annual uh, manner. There should not ever be anything that's discussed in a performance evaluation that an individual has not heard before. That's not the time for surprises. So I am a huge proponent of um, person-to-person interactions to share feedback. Sometimes it's difficult because you might not see per diem or PRN staff members on a regular basis. So even a phone conversation can be helpful. There might be a few times that it would be reasonable for something to be done via an email. I think, though, to truly be more effective, those should be held either person to person or via a phone call so you actually can talk through them generally because emails can be so misinterpreted. It's, it's not effective, and, and I would say it almost could potentially make things worse or damage a relationship. So easy to be, you know, the written word to be taken the wrong way, for sure. And Bonnie, right now, you know, as you and I are recording, we're in the middle of a very crazy world in the midst of this pandemic. And do you think feedback is even more needed now? Or how would you kind of speak into feedback and the importance of it and the changes with where we're at right now as a world? So let me take that two ways. Feedback is always important, right? And I think right now as leaders, we have the moral obligation to create the safest, most positive workspaces and environments we can create because we have to ensure the safety of our employees and the safety of our patients. We need to make sure that we continue to motivate and bring people back to the job that they're doing, the importance of it. We also need to be advocates for not only our employees, but certainly our our patients as well. So I think that it's incredibly important to create kind of an environment or a milieu that is very, very high to making people successful right now. Yet feedback is important, right? It doesn't mean all the old rules go out the window. So if there are behaviors, interpersonal relationship behaviors that we're addressing, we need to address them. Yet, in, in my opinion, in the stories that I'm hearing across the country, people have stepped up tenfold of what they're doing for their colleagues and how they're helping out in the units. So this is not the time for poor behaviors, the uh, kind of the bullying, the mean-spirited behavior, the, the rumor mongering. This is not the time for that. We need everyone rowing in the same direction, being as helpful, as positive, and stepping up in every way they can. And, and again, based on all the feedback I hear from my colleagues around the country right now, 
I believe that that's what we're seeing. And I'm incredibly proud of not only, uh, you know, nurses and physicians, but all of the healthcare workforce and the support staff that are stepping up to deal with the pandemic. Then I would say the other part of this is it's important for us. Feedback is one part of the equation because it has a partner called recognition. So it's important not only to give feedback, but we have to continue to support and advocate and recognize the incredibly powerful and and almost heroic work that's going on right now. So the two of those really should be done in tandem. For the many years that you've spent in healthcare, where do we typically miss the boat on recognition just in general? And then for the work that you're doing today, what have you found to be really important? So I would say there's a couple of pieces there. One of them is communication styles are very generational. And there are a lot of times that we haven't spent the time to learn how to most effectively communicate with each generation. So, you know, baby boomers like kind of one-on-one conversations, one-on-one recognition. You get to millennials that have a different communication style, really prefer a lot of non-confrontation, texting, emailing, and do like public recognition. And and this is sort of a a cohort of people that grew up with a lot of uh, group-related projects and doing things together and feel very, very comfortable in that group space. And then certainly we also have our kind of our youngest generations, Years that are entering the workforce, and they too have sort of a non confrontational, low key communication style. So, we really need to think about how do we motivate individuals by giving them recognition, right? Because the whole reason behind recognition is props. We want people to feel good, we want them to get the good energy, to feel good about the work they're doing, to recognize them so they continue to exhibit those positive behaviors. So, that's incredibly important stuff. And again, in in my opinion, based on what I've seen, we like to make recognition very complicated. It shouldn't just be an employee of the month or happen in staff meetings. We should be very generous for thanking people for the work that they're doing on a regular basis and calling them out to recognize the positive behaviors and the amazing things that they're doing on a very, very frequent basis. So I think that that's an opportunity for all of us as leaders just to kind of crank it up a notch and use recognition and even gratitude much more liberally than we do. Take us into the healthcare, a large healthcare institution, and just kind of walk us through an illustration of what a day in the life of an organization that does that well, what does that look like? Well, I think that that really is incumbent upon leaders to do that, right? And that means a leader is not only the people in the C-suite, it's not only the directors, it's not only the managers, it's charge nurses, it's supervisors, it's shift leaders, it's everyone just calling out the good work that's being done. And whether it's a thank you for coming in to help me turn or change the linens on this patient or thanking the food service people or the EVS people for cleaning a room for a quick turnaround for a hot meal tray that a patient's been waiting for uh, after an admission, just recognizing all of that effort. So I, I think in organizations that do this really well, you hear a lot of recognition for the effort and thank you as well. Gratitude is a very strong part of that equation. And you, you talked a minute ago about innovation. I think certainly this is a space that it can become as automated, as electronic, as tech dependent, as a way to sort of codify it, memorialize it, capture it, and have the data behind it. 
it also can be very easy. It can just be a, around verbal thanks and verbal recognition. I've seen units that have done this very well. And actually one of my organizations many years ago gave staff on a particular unit five sticky post-it notes a day, and they were to write five notes of um, recognition or gratitude and post them you know, on a particular cabinet every shift. So every day when you walk past there, you just saw you know, five times seven or eight or whatever staff people notes by the end of the day, just thanking people. So it can really be as simple as that. If all leaders adopted the habit of gratitude and we look for the simplest things like sticky notes to actually doing a handwritten card to using fancy technologies, I'm going to have you dive into sharing just a little bit more about a technology I know you're fond of called Wambi here in a minute. That's the sponsor of this show. Whatever it is, you know, having that core foundation of gratitude as a habit is just super powerful. I want to go down the path of employee engagement now because the show, Gut Plus Science, that is the core of the show, is impacting employee engagement. And I think that there's some unique things that happen in healthcare. If you think of why do we have disengagement issues in healthcare, what comes top of mind? Well, Nikki, that's that's really, really complex. Healthcare is a very difficult industry. It's hard for a variety of reasons, Right. It's hard because there are people on all sides of the equation. There are people that are ill or injured or sick that require services. And there are people that are rendering and providing the the care and the healing and the environments that the, the caregivers and the providers work in. There's a huge support service behind just those who actually deliver and provide care. So once you have that many people in the equation with all of the nuances and the personalities and the communication styles, it's always sort of a a challenge. Healthcare in general is unique in some ways in that we have systems that are very cumbersome and, and don't always support patients in the delivery of care in the ways that they should. So when you're an employee, being engaged in that kind of a system, it's a very complex system. It's a very dynamic environment. And, and certainly we also have the um, literally the dynamics of leaders. There are some incredibly powerful, strong leaders. There are many new leaders. There are some leaders um, that you know have really all of the best intentions, but may not always have the best style. So I think it's a whole variety of pieces that we try to work with when we really try to focus on having good employee engagement. And if we look at the the opposite side of engagement, let's um, go with one word, burnout. It, it's a huge issue in healthcare right now. I'd love for you to just um, shed a little bit of light on how burnout is affecting healthcare and why it's really important, especially at this time right now, for leaders to keep their eye on that. Clinician burnout is not new. It's been around for certainly a while. We put employees in our healthcare space, and again, whether it's a provider such as a physician, a PA, an NP, or the many disciplines that are in healthcare, they are in the situation of we are asking them to deliver the best care and the best services they can. And sometimes we tie one arm behind their back by not always giving them the resources or tools to do that. You know, documentation burden is extremely high. We are sort of in this um, evolution of electronic health records that I think that generally speaking, the healthcare community agrees in general on, on their value and their use. However, they're very clunky 
difficult to use non-intuitive systems. So we have people spending a tremendous amount of time on documentation instead of just truly providing the care and trying to improve the patient's uh, state of well-being. We also have a lot of moral distress. And right now, there's a gigantic concern about the aftermath of um, the pandemic in terms of the clinician burnout due to moral distress. I mean, we have caregivers in situations, in critical care situations, physicians are having to make extremely difficult calls around resources. Nurses in ICUs are having four, five, six, eight patients. These are things that are unheard of in our country. So the moral distress and compassion fatigue that is arising out of this is just going to be monumental for us to try to overcome. And that goes on top of the burnout issue that we already have. So this is going to be just an incredibly compounding real problem that we are going to have to deal with urgently in order to even keep the wonderful, wonderful healthcare professionals that we have today in the system. So let's talk for a second about the way that you see engagement at work. So how you would define employee engagement and then segue that into when you've seen hospital systems do this well and they have a system that's working on a regular regular basis to be able to navigate the right strategy or really hone into what employees need to stay engaged at work and to reduce burnout as much as possible. You know, certainly when you think about being an employee means you have a job and you're working and having a job and working is not a day at the beach and it's not a day on vacation. However, you can absolutely sort of bridge those pieces so people like their job and are happy at work. And I think that that means a lot of things. I think people need to be fairly compensated. I think that benefits need to demonstrate that people are cared for. Um, And that includes everything from time when you're sick to PTO time. I think we have to truly show our employees that we care about them. The other thing that's important is that engagement does not happen once a year when you're going to do your employee engagement survey. And even quarterly is, in my opinion, not enough. So I think as leaders, the more that we can open up and have a two-way street and true dialogue created, that's not only visibility, but it means being out and talking on the units where the care is delivered, whether it's inpatient, outpatient, OR, whatever that looks like. I think that that's really important. Also, I would say as leaders can insert themselves and truly understand what it is like to be a person delivering care, providing care in a particular setting, sort of like the walk in their shoes, even if it's for a four-hour chunk of time, that's a really powerful way to understand what they're going through. And all of that should shape our ideas, our thoughts, our decisions, our policies of how we run our organizations and what we do. That doesn't mean everyone's going to be happy all the time because that's clearly not the case. However, I think the more you can cultivate that trust and that respect, that's really the cornerstone to set up an organization to be a high performing organization and one that's more likely to be engaged. Bonnie, these shows go so fast, and I want to make sure that we wrap up with, uh, I would love for you to talk about your work with Wambi, our new sponsor of the sub-series Healthcare uh, Gut Plus Science. Why did you choose to take your energy and experience to partner with Wambi to affect healthcare innovation? I think that Wambi has an opportunity 
that no one else has right now. The foundation of Wambi is truly to enhance and improve the human experience, like literally humanizing it even more. And the premise that we work from is through gratitude. So for me, in the many years I've been a nurse and a, a chief nursing officer, it's a really powerful way to lead and to lean in through gratitude, right? And it's not kind of the hokey, touchy-feely stuff. It's just genuinely sincere. It's around thanking people for the work that they're doing. And I think that our platform does that. We're able to harvest feedback from patients and families, even peer-to-peer -peer or leader-to-peer, and to share both feedback and recognition constantly, all the time, in real time. And that's a very powerful way for someone to feel good about the work that they're doing or in those rare times where you need feedback so that you can adjust the behaviors or the performance of a department, you have that as well. So you can work from, and you're not just flying blind, but you actually can develop a bit of a roadmap. So for me, it's a really great way to lead into employee engagement, to reducing clinician burnout, and even to enhancing the patient experience is to start just purely and simplistically from the point of gratitude. Good stuff, Bonnie. We're going to take a quick break, hear from our sponsor message today and come back for what we call our lightning round, where we'll get to learn just a little bit more about you. We'll be right back. So in our efforts to launch this healthcare sub-series on Gut Plus Science, my why is Wambi. Wambi specializes in serving the industry that needs the most support, love, and gratitude, and that's healthcare. Together with Wambi, we will be building a community of people-first healthcare leaders and influencers to make a big positive impact on patient satisfaction and overall experience of patients and families, and also engagement of the very valuable healthcare workers in this world. So visit wambi.org to learn more and hit me up. If you want to talk about the cool partnerships we're working on at Wambi, Nikki and I, KKI at Wambi, W-A-M-B-I.org. It'll be in the show notes too. And I am so grateful to be part of this team and part of this movement. Many cool things to come. All right. It's Nikki Llewellyn and I'm back here on Gut Plus Science with Bonnie Clipper today. We've had a great episode and we're just going to spend, a, like we do on every show, going to continue this on with our healthcare sub-series here, our lightning round, just to get to know a little bit more about our guests. And today I'm going to ask Bonnie a few questions and then we'll make sure that you know how to connect with her after the show. So Bonnie, if you have to pick one book or your favorite book of all time, what would it be? You know, I'm a huge nerd. So I really love the book, The Fourth Age. Uh, it's essentially about robotics and AI and how they're going to craft the future for us and, and even change careers as we know them. How about a favorite vacation spot? Definitely, definitely Spain. And how about a favorite hobby when you're not working? I like to be out. I love hiking. So uh, I think that that would probably be one where I like to spend some time doing. And Bonnie, what's the best way for our listeners to connect with you after the show? Yeah, I am uh, the top. I alternate between the top one and top two uh, nurse influencer in LinkedIn. So you'll find me, Dr. Bonnie Clipper on LinkedIn. And then in Twitter, I'm very accessible and visible there as well at ThoughtLeaderRN. All right. Awesome episode with CNO influencer, Bonnie Clipper. Here's the truth you can act on that I'm taking away from our time together today. Number one, focus on the right things. Take five steps back and look at the larger process failures. Number two, feedback must be accompanied by recognition. Number three, don't overcomplicate recognition. Recognize people often and in public. And four, adopt a habit of gratitude. Even a simple thank you goes a long way. Next step, try writing a handwritten card. 
just left the world a little bit better. Now go do something with it.